Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, air pollution. There is nothing more essential for life than air. And yet, because of air pollution, the simple act of breathing contributes to 7 million deaths a year. A bleak message from the head of the World Health Organization. But surely in our country of boundless empty spaces surrounded by water, we have plenty of fresh air to fill our lungs. Well, new information about what's in our air will make you choke. Any amount of air pollution can have serious consequences for human health. That's right, any amount of air pollution is dangerous and most of us are breathing in bad air. Chances are the people listening to this, four and five of them, are exposed, you know. You'd think our biggest cities are our worst culprits. Think again. Invercargill is the deadliest place in New Zealand when it comes to air pollution. A damning report from the local public health service reveals air pollution is killing at least 13 people every year in Mount Maunganui. Today, the invisible killer that causes one in ten deaths in New Zealand every year. We can control it, we've known about it for years, so why don't we do more about it? just getting my head into air pollution. I was talking about farm emissions all day oh, with right. a bunch of people in the Wairarapa. Okay. Um, my newsroom colleague Mark Dalda has been looking into what he calls a public health crisis. It, it's, you know, something that has an impact on lots and lots of people around the country. This big study that was done last year found that there were about 3,000 premature deaths that could be attributed to air pollution in, in 2016 and, and probably each year since then. Uh, 13,000 cases of childhood asthma, uh, many thousands of hospitalizations for heart issues and lung issues. And so it's not something that we see, you know, unlike Delhi or Beijing, we don't have smog in New Zealand to the same extent as, as some places overseas, but we're still burning fossil fuels in our cars, we're heating our homes with wood and sometimes coal, and we do have a, a little bit of, uh, of heavy industry, and all of that together does create particulate matter, uh, nitrogen dioxide, which gets into our lungs, into our bloodstreams, and, and has these um, sort of sinister, long-term, but, but hard-to-spot impacts. You talk about particulate matter. Tell me a bit more about PM10 and PM2.5. Yeah, so particulate matter is basically just small bits of anything. Um, when you burn wood or you burn petrol, you're going to get that in your smoke as well as other chemicals and, and uh, soot and that sort of thing. And uh, the smaller it is, the easier it is basically for it to cross into our bloodstreams and, and then it can kind of get everywhere and have all sorts of really negative impacts. Um, air pollution has been linked to things like Alzheimer's and dementia, um, you know, not the sort of thing you'd expect it to, to be associated with. You think asthma, sure, lung cancer, that makes sense. Um, but because it gets into our bloodstream, it can have really wide-ranging impacts all around our bodies. And the PM10 is what we've traditionally been focused on. Those are slightly larger uh, particles. And New Zealand scores relatively well on, on those rankings compared to overseas. But, you know, they are still dangerous. Uh, more recently, we've we've been looking at the smaller particles, the PM 2.5, and been finding, yes, those are still prevalent in, in New Zealand as well, and, and therefore they're having a, an impact on our health. And those numbers, 10 2.5, do they represent how tiny those particles are? Yeah, 2.5 microns or less in diameter, um, which I think is around the width of a human hair. 
We know about this report that came out last year. How do those researchers, how do the experts know about these particles and what sort of illnesses they cause? Yeah, so in order to do this uh, particular research project, it's the third in a series of projects. What the researchers have done in this study, which is trying to determine the health impacts of air pollution in New Zealand, is that they've broken the country down into um, groups of about 2,000 people. They've kind of estimated through measurements in a wider range of data the, the air pollution that those people are subject to. And then they've taken in all the other factors that we have data about for these people, smoking status, age, ethnicity, anything that could possibly be relevant to their health. And they've fed that into a model and produced these results that have found, okay, you know, we're seeing more deaths than we should in this age category, in this location, and that can be linked to the air pollution that's prevalent there. Um, The researchers who I've spoken to are actually initially so surprised by their findings. A study that has shocked scientists has found air pollution kills about 3,300 people each year and vehicle emissions responsible for two-thirds of those. And that's nearly ten times the road death toll. The scale of the health impacts of of air pollution, and particularly of nitrogen dioxide, which comes from motor vehicles, that they went and sought international peer review from some of the top experts in the field. Those experts had a look at it and said, nope, this this all looks correct. And it turns out that um, this study that came out last year is sort of at the leading edge of a, a new wave of research that is confirming, yes, these impacts are actually still happening even at lower and lower levels of air pollution. Probably there's not a safe level of air pollution. And so we're likely to keep discovering that there are impacts here as long as we keep researching them and as long as they're is still stuff we're burning hanging around in the air that we breathe. So just to be clear, the researchers don't find this particulate matter in people's bodies. They've been able to reach these conclusions just by sort of pulling together the different data. Yeah, for the New Zealand study, that's correct. Uh, they, They didn't investigate individual people's health, but researchers elsewhere have done things, including autopsies and and that sort of thing, and found air pollution traces in people's bodies. In um, the Czech Republic, for example, where a decent amount of coal is burned in Prague, a study found significant levels of uh, soot in umbilical cords that were um, discarded after women had given birth to babies, showing that these women had been breathing in the soot and it had made its way into the baby's bloodstream even while the baby was still, you know, not yet born. Since the last update in 2005, A substantial new body of evidence has accumulated, further demonstrating the degree to which air pollution affects all parts of the body, from the brain to a growing baby in a mother's womb at even lower concentrations than previously observed. And so we we do know that air pollution can do this. Lead is another good example to think about. You know, it's not a problem that we have anymore, thankfully, but when we were burning it in our motor vehicles, uh, blood lead levels in, in school children in Christchurch in, in the mid-80s, for example, were eight times higher uh, than children who were tested in, in 2014. By that time, we'd stopped burning it, and so children had stopped inhaling it, and, you know, it, it wasn't a problem anymore. We talk about the smog of Beijing, say, or other places in India. Does New Zealand have that same kind of pollution but it's not so dense? Or is it, you know, do we have a different kind of pollution and it actually doesn't matter, it's pollution anyway? 
Yeah, I think we probably have a little bit less of some of the things like uh, black carbon and 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 um, particular chemicals that come from burning coal, just because we don't burn very much of it for our electricity and we don't burn very much of it for our industry, what industry we do have. In terms of how we compare to overseas, we have much, much lower levels and, and the health impacts that we're experiencing are much lower as well. So if you look at Delhi, for example, there, air pollution probably reduces the average life expectancy of everyone in the whole city by 10 years on average. It doesn't mean everyone lives for 10 years less, but it means some people die actually quite a lot younger than they would have and other people are maybe not as affected by it. Uh, in New Zealand, probably if you average it out across the whole population, we're talking about an impact of a few months, not years. Mm. But it, it's the same thing as in Delhi. There are some people, particularly people who might be vulnerable already, have conditions like asthma, respiratory or cardiovascular issues, who are going to be hit harder by it. And, and according to these studies, you know, thousands of them dying earlier each year than they would have otherwise. And on the flip side, you'll have other people who are who are not experiencing significant impacts from it. So we don't know how much exposure it takes to get sick. I mean, I suppose that, as you said, you know, if you're if you're susceptible, you're more likely to get ill. That that's right. I think it can help exacerbate issues, and and maybe in some cases trigger them or develop them in the first place. You could almost compare it to smoking, right? You know, we think about smoking as the more cigarettes you smoke, the higher your risk of developing lung cancer. But even smoking just one still creates a risk for you, right? And air pollution is very similar in that a low level of exposure still creates risk. And when you expose uh, 5 million people, or, or in New Zealand, around 4 million people are exposed to air pollution levels above the World Health Organization safety standard, you're going to see some of those people are going to have that low low likelihood negative reaction to it. But if we had much more air pollution like Delhi or like Beijing, then it would be much more prevalent in terms of the health issues. I mean, it's alarming, isn't it, that, that 4 million of us, the majority of the population, is exposed to air pollution that is above what is um, recommended safe. Yeah, it's it's dangerous air pollution. Chances are the people listening to this, four and five of them, are exposed, you know. I live in Wellington, a lot of motorways around here. Chances are I'm I'm living in one of those areas that, that is exposed. It really is some of our most rural and isolated areas that don't have any exposure to um to air pollution. But then if people are burning wood fires or coal fires, they are. That's right. And one of the I guess you could say it's an upside of air pollution as compared to some of our other environmental challenges like climate change is that the impacts here are really localized. So, yeah, if I'm burning, if my whole neighborhood is, is burning wood or coal, which is sometimes done uh, in, in the South Island in particular, to heat our homes, then we're going to have you know, quite a negative health impact on our neighborhood. But it also means that it's in our power to change and we will see the benefits of that change in our neighborhood, right? Climate change, you know, we reduce our emissions, it's good for the globe, but it doesn't mean that everything's suddenly fixed in our backyard. On air pollution, we really do have the power, it's, it's entirely our power, to stop doing this. If we live in a quiet residential street, there is some traffic pollution all around, but if you live next to a major road, the, the level will be double. Particularly if you live near roads which have a lot of congested traffic or, or those where there are a lot of clusters of, of tall buildings.
So I cycle to work every day, and yeah. I think, well, this is healthy for me. But sometimes I end up behind a bus that's spewing blimmin' diesel fumes. You know, it might be for a second, and then it takes off, or I turn off, or whatever. But that kind of thing, how dangerous is that? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's this thing of chronic exposure being much worse than a one-off exposure, but there are always still being risks in, in, in any low level. Again, it's like smoking, right? Walking through a cloud of secondhand smoke, not desirable, can have health impacts, as lots of research has shown, but, um, you know, better than actually smoking the cigarettes yourself. Mm. Um, I, I, I have the same thing, right? When I started doing this article, I used to run along a, a very um, well-traveled thoroughfare in my neighborhood, and I switched my running route because I was like just watching all these cars drive by me as I'm huffing and puffing and, and just going, maybe I won't do that, it's a bit difficult, right? Because that's the problem with air pollution, as with climate change, is that it's not really in your power to cycle somewhere, or, you know, to, to commute to work on a bicycle and find a route that has no cars on it whatsoever. The, the good news being some of that stuff is changing. If we've got EVs, those aren't going to be producing very much air pollution at all. There's technically a little bit that comes from dust from the road, but it's it's really, we're getting really minuscule there. Mm. But that's the challenge, I think, is is that the the solutions here aren't just it, it's not in our hands as individuals, but it is in our hands as as communities and as a country. But in some communities, people power is not working so well, like Mount Maunganui, which has an industrial area with one of the most polluted airspaces in New Zealand. RNZ's in-depth journalist Kirsty Johnston looked at what was behind it. It's home to more than 800 businesses, including asphalt factories, fertiliser plants, several chemical companies and the port of Tauranga, all which release toxic chemicals into the air. Those chemicals then blow over neighbouring schools, marae, sports field and houses. The community wants answers, especially Wharerua Marae, which has long been calling for a managed retreat of the suburb's industrial estate. We've had to bury three of our, our whānau here at Whareru, and they've all been directly related back to respiratory problems. Is it the best place for us to live when we've got these pollutants in the air all the time? The council says industrial retreat is not an option. And here's the response from businesses. The local economic development agency, Priority One, says many businesses in the area are working to reduce their environmental impacts and risks. One of those companies, Balance Agri-Nutrients, says it's spent heavily on modernising its site and is on board with council-led efforts to make sure the air is no longer classified as polluted within 10 years. These numbers that you're, you're coming up with, it causes one in every 10 deaths in New Zealand. You know, this is a very depressing figure, but also infuriating at the same time, because as you say, we can change it. Yeah, it's interesting because air pollution is something that New Zealand has had discussions and debates about before. So in the early 2000s, when the first of these uh, studies was done, actually, and found quite a significant link between wood burners and uh, air pollution-related health impacts, including deaths. Uh, new regulations were brought in to ensure that the wood burners that we put in our homes burn more cleanly than they would otherwise. That's good. It's led to a reduction in the health impacts that can be attributed to wood burners. So we've made progress there. 
There was a lot of uh, sort of political discussion and debate about that, as I understand it at the time, in terms of people feeling like perhaps their rights were being infringed and perhaps feeling like the science wasn't fully settled or, or adequately explained. Since then, like I said, we've had this new wave of research and it, it kind of hasn't landed with a big thunk and gone, oh my goodness, uh, it turns out air pollution is still a big problem. It's been this sort of bits and pieces dribbling out research from overseas. In late 2021, the World Health Organization said, actually, we're going to revise our, our uh, standards much lower for what is you know, a healthy amount of, of air pollution to be exposed to. These new guidelines include low recommended levels for pollutants, including particulate matter, nitrogen dioxide, sulfur dioxide, and ozone. And then this report that uh, was released in July uh, last year, mm. um, which, which had these figures. And, and to be fair, that one did get some headlines for a little bit, but then it kind of faded away. I think the difficulty here is that, you know, because air pollution is so insidious in how it operates, you know, we actually aren't able to point to any one specific person who's died and say they've died of air pollution. Um, there as an aside, was a sort of landmark case in the UK in recent years where a child who had died had air pollution listed on their death certificate. But that was very, very rare, and it was almost sort of a statement, the exception that proves the rule, right, mm. that you had one death certificate out there that has air pollution listed on it, when actually it is contributing to many, many, many times more deaths. It's just hard to put a name to them and hard to put a face to them. Why is more not made of this? I mean, for example, why why has the government not done more with, I don't know, bringing in tougher regulations? Yeah, the, the good news is on the motor vehicle side of things, the government is starting to move. So without getting too technical, there are air pollution standards for vehicles that we import into New Zealand. And the ones that we have in effect are called Euro 5. Just this year, the government began consulting and I think has concluded consulting on a proposal to update those standards. So pretty soon it will become the law that you have to import much cleaner vehicles into New Zealand. It doesn't really change all that much. It maybe bumps up the price of vehicles by a few hundred dollars, but the health benefits are much more significant. Um, the, the same people who did the big study last year also did a report for the Ministry of Transport, which found that the net benefits would be uh, billions of dollars of introducing these more strict standards. So that's sort of a good news side of things. The bad news is for our environmental regulations on things like wood burners and what councils can consent, those have not been updated to align with the new World Health Organization guidelines that came out in 2021. The Ministry for the Environment is still sort of working through that. And I spoke with Phil Twyford when he was the minister in charge of air pollution, which was late last year. And he said to me, look, you know, we're going to see what the advice is. But actually, these uh, limits that the WHO has set are so low that it's really hard to actually do things like consent a new road if you had to follow them. Um, and what that tells us is actually, you know, this really is a systemic and a structural issue, not something that we can just fix by tweaking our our regulations a little bit. We know that we can do it because in lockdown, air pollution dropped 75% across some of our main centres. And, and that was obviously because there were hardly any cars on the roads. But it was funny, you know, at the time we said, right, well, we, you know, we're going to change our habits. And again, it's one of these things that we we just went straight back to what, what we were doing before. 
Yeah, I, I think probably that there is a bit more of a shift. I think people probably work from home a lot more often than than they used to, and maybe that that factors through in some of the figures. You see, public transport patronage is often still struggling to recover, and I think there are a number of reasons for that. But one of them could be more people just actually not going into work in the first place.、Mm. Um, you know, we don't want to see. Lockdown as the solution for air pollution or climate change, even though it was it was sort of briefly temporarily helpful in in the fight against those issues. But you're right; it shows that it is possible. And the other lesson from lockdown is that actually, when we're facing a crisis as a society, we can react to that and do the right thing. And maybe there's a little bit of sacrifice involved,、um, but the benefits can be so much greater. I was. Looking at the stories about the different towns and the kind of air pollution they have, I mean, I suppose it's no surprise that somewhere like Invercargill apparently has the most premature deaths due to air pollution from fires at home and vehicles.、Mm. And I guess you know, so you wouldn't be surprised because it gets so cold there. But Mount Monganui has an air pollution problem, and it's because of. The industrial estate there, yeah, and and the other thing about Invercargill is actually not just the temperature, but also the prevalence of burning coal instead of wood、uh, to heat your home.、Oh. Coal is just that much worse,、um, and so even just switching over to wood, even if it's a less clean wood burner than we'd like, it makes a big difference、uh, in terms of the air quality. And so that's actually why there are a few other spots in the South Island that have a similar problem where you go, huh. You know, you'd think Auckland or Wellington or Christchurch might be worse, but some of these spots in the South Island, because of the prevalence of, of coal burning at home,、uh, is、uh, you know popping up in in the study, at least based on the methodology the study used. Christchurch, of course, has its own problem with this sort of dome effect that happens with the、um, wood burning smoke that kind of smogs over the city at times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Rotorua halved early deaths from air pollution in thirteen years. And that was just by changing the rules around wood burners and offering clean energy alternatives at, with with the help of loans and grants. So it can be done. It definitely can be done. The other thing I'd say on the industry side of things is, is overseas industry really is where a lot of the air pollution death. Rate comes from in New Zealand. You know, we're in the fortunate position. We don't have a significant amount of heavy industry, and it's really easy to regulate that industry, right? Because you've only got, you know, a、uh, uh, three or four smokestacks on the Huntley coal burning and gas burning、uh, power station, and so you can fit filters on and scrubbers, and you can make sure that what's coming out of there is relatively clean, and you know, not a huge number of people live directly clustered around Huntley. The much bigger challenge is all the mini smokestacks that we've got attached to our cars and our houses. It's much harder to, you know, piece by piece address each of those、um, without sort of a joined-up approach. And, and again, that sort of systemic structural approach to solutions. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund, and today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell. Our producers are Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison.、And、thanks to Mark Dalda. Mark Ewart.